don't know about you, you don't have to answer this, but um, have you ever used a hashtag before? We were talking about it a little bit in, uh, in Sunday school this morning. Uh, do you even know what a hashtag is? Um, some of you do. Um, if, you, uh, if you don't know, it's the little pound sign thingy, the little number sign thingy, the little thingy there that has the little, I don't know, tic-tac-toe board, I guess we could call it. It's, uh, it's that little thing that somehow, uh, I don't know why they decided to change the name. Uh, people that are cool and hip, I guess, have changed it to call it a hashtag, but that's what it is. And uh, I, 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 over the years, I guess I've used the hashtags a little bit uh, because, you know, everybody else... Uh, started doing it and it sounded cool and so I thought I would would do that it's actually just a little fun way to kind of label your post on a uh, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or something and and so uh, but actually uh, it has or had uh, has a purpose if you hashtag something you're posting something and then you hashtag especially I think on Twitter um, and then then you're kind of labeling that and then anyone can look up that same hashtag and see all these other posts that have been tagged in the same way um, for instance, uh, I don't know if you watch, uh, maybe you shouldn't, well, I don't know, but uh, uh, there are, the, on, on The Tonight Show and Jimmy Fallon, uh, every week he has a little hashtag deal, and, uh, and, and he'll send out a hashtag, and then people will tell stories based on that uh, hashtag, so, and then they're all organized, and they can look them all up, and you can see them all, uh, and so, so he'll, he'll read some of them on his show uh, every once in a while, like he's sent out the hashtag worst trip worst road trip ever and then people tell their little story about their worst road trip or my crazy family those were uh, were, were kind of funny my worst summer job hashtag my roommate is weird uh you know those, those types of things so so then they look them up the so it, that's that's kind of how these things work i guess so uh over over time uh different hashtags have become popular the first time i ever hashtagged something uh was hashtag tbt Throwback Thursday, right? Yeah, okay. And uh, I thought it would be fun to uh, to put that little hashtag on there and and post some uh, some uh, self incriminating or self embarrassing pictures from the the eighties. I thought it would be fun. It really wasn't all that fun, but uh, but the, it's it, you know it was kind of the cool thing to do. Uh, TBT Throwback. Thursday. Uh, at times, uh, you know, I try to come up with clever hashtags. I kind of uh, secretly admire people who can come up with these things, and they're like, uh, you know, 20, 30 words long, but they all run together, and oh, yeah, that's funny, and that's cool, and oh, they're, they're clever. Uh, and so I try to come up with those, and I usually don't, but many times, and one, one uh, hashtag that has become popular uh, is the hashtag that we've seen up here uh, and is also up here, hashtag blessed right? Uh, I, I guess I've used it uh, at times, uh, usually when I'm posting about my family, perhaps, and, and uh, someone that has, has done something good in the family, and I want to uh, brag a little bit or, or tell a little bit, or I'm blessed by that, that relationship. And so I'm, I'm trying to communicate gratitude uh, to God on behalf of or for my, my family, or for the other good things that I'm experienced, and that's a good way to use it. And and uh, you know, if, if however, if you've been on Instagram or, or Facebook and you've you've seen hashtag blessed anywhere, uh, you probably maybe know that it's gotten a little bit out of hand. I, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but calling something hashtag blessed has become a popular way for people to boast about their accomplishments, right? Uh, to, to show off their new purchase, to share where they've gone on vacation. Uh, some people have called it. 
humble bragging. So I'm, I'm really bragging, but I'm pretending to be humble, and so I'm calling it blessed, right? I'm hashtag, like, look at, uh, here's a picture of my new Ferrari. Hashtag blessed. Okay, good, good. Uh, enjoying two weeks in Maui. Hashtag blessed. Uh, or I can't believe I graduated med school uh, in two years with a 4.0. Hashtag blessed. It's just uh, become a, a way to, to brag on ourselves or to brag on our accomplishments. Uh, a New York Times article a couple of years ago put it this way. It's almost as if the Internet now exists simply to voyeuristically hate-read all of the ways everyone else in the world has been blessed. There is literally no other word that can simultaneously inspire, as, as, uh, inspire such animosity and rapture. And if you can't be blessed yourself, you can always mock the blessed. Caught a piece of bacon falling out of my sandwich right before it hit the ground, the Pittsburgh comedian Davon Magwood tweeted. It was followed naturally by the punchline, hashtag blessed. And so this hashtag has become kind of this ironic thing more than anything else. Uh, it's a joke to mock those who are calling themselves blessed in some way. And, and perhaps that's warranted because I think we've gotten a little confused about what it really means uh, to be blessed, who is blessed, how we can live in order to be blessed. And that's what this series is all about. We're just diving right in. This is the first, uh, uh, first sermon in a, in a series uh, over the next uh, few weeks that will be looking at Jesus' list of, of people who really are hashtag blessed. Uh, believe it or not, uh, there is a list of these hashtag... Well, okay, they weren't really hashtagged in the Bible, but there is a list in the Bible of, uh, of people who, uh, who, were, who, uh, who are blessed. I think if Jesus had had a Twitter account, he may have released these one a day, once a day. Uh, and uh, for, for uh, eight days, he would have had these tweets and, and put hashtag blessed on them. It's, it's a list. It's in, it's in Matthew chapter 5. It's called the Beatitudes. So there's another term that maybe we aren't, aren't too familiar with. The Beatitudes is, uh, is, is, uh, this word that, that, well, basically every one of them in this, in this list, Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12, uh, uh, in this list, uh, every, everyone starts with blessed are the, and then it gives a group of people, uh, and so it starts with the same word, and in Latin that word is beati. B-A-B-E-A-T-I. And so, uh, then they become then over time the Beatitude, beatitudes. That's kind of how that's evolved. Basically, you know, you could call it the blesseds or the blessed are those or the hashtag blessed, right? Uh, it shows, um, who, who has, who is blessed, um, and, uh, and, and shows what they, uh, what is the blessing. So each one is set up just like one line. Blessed are the group of people. These people are blessed. And why are they blessed? Because, and then it gives what they, uh, what they receive or what they are experiencing or will experience because of, uh, what, how they've been living. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, I don't know, you, You'll notice that this list is probably different than what you'll see on Facebook or Instagram. There aren't any Ferraris or beach vacations in this list. Uh, instead, it's, uh, it's a list that pretty much defines uh, blessing as maybe even opposite of, of how our culture might define blessing. And it's a great guide for navigating uh, who we are to be as, uh, as followers of Christ. On July 16th, 1999, you may remember that John F. Kennedy Jr. was killed 
when the Piper Saratoga light aircraft he was piloting crashed into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. His wife, Carolyn Bissett, and sister-in-law, Lauren Bissett, were also killed, and the NTSB concluded that the crash was caused by, quote, the pilot's failure to maintain control of his airplane during a descent over water at night, which was a result of spatial disorientation. Kennedy was disoriented as he flew that uh, aircraft because of the hazy, foggy conditions, coupled with the fact that he hadn't been fully trained on how to fly using just the instrument panel in that aircraft. Other pilots uh, flying similar routes on that same night uh, reported that they could not see a visual horizon because of the fog. They couldn't tell where the water stopped and the sky started. And so it was impossible to fly uh, correctly without the use of instruments. And so on that fateful night, John F. Kennedy Jr. thought the aircraft was aimed correctly when in fact they were heading into a death spiral that they could not get out of. Many people are living life today thinking that down is up and up is down and this list of beatitudes, I believe, is kind of like an instrument panel that can guide us even when things are murky or hazy or foggy so that we will live lives that are pleasing to God. It it helps us to define what it is really that is pleasing to God. And so what I want us to do is read the entire list and then today we're going to focus on On the first one. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, here we go. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And I pause right there because uh, this is kind of the setting. This is uh, 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 the the crowds are swelling around Jesus and he's been uh, healing them and he's been teaching to them. And and I've always kind of had the picture that Jesus went up on the the mountainside so that he kind of could get height over the crowd and be able to uh, project his voice so that everybody could hear. But that's not what it says there, right? Uh, He's actually, he's all the crowds are coming. He went up on the mountainside to kind of withdraw from the crowds, to get away from all the hype, to get away from all the healing, and uh, and instead to draw away with his, uh, come away with just his disciples. Um, he was. Uh, this is this is actually the beginning of, and maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't, but uh, Matthew five, six, and seven uh, in the Bible is uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So he's on the mount, we see that here, he went up on the mountainside, uh, and he sat down, but he's not just, just speaking to the multitudes, he's speaking to the disciples. This is, this has been called, the Sermon on the Mount has been called, quote, the most influential piece of ethical literature in the course of history. And, and it, but it's not that Jesus was preaching to the multitudes. This is a rabbi or a teacher that went up on the mountainside, maybe found a rock or a, a stump of some kind, and sat down, and his disciples, maybe the 12, maybe a few more than the 12, no more than maybe 20 or 30 people gathered around and he was teaching them these basic core foundational principles of life. If you read through the uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, you see by the end of that, it looks like the crowds kind of followed them up the hill and, and he began preaching. But, but the intent was that Jesus was getting away from these multitudes so that he could teach them what it really means to follow him. Okay, so uh, that's that's the setting. Let's go on. Uh, he said, and here we are, the blessed are those, the beatitudes, the hashtag blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when, you in, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're going to go back and look at the first one there, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I told you that this list isn't what typically gets hashtagged on social media. Uh, the poor in spirit. Well, let's unpack what that might mean. First off, it doesn't necessarily mean the materially poor or the economically poor. Uh, there's nothing inherently holy about not having money. Uh, except that, I guess, if you don't have money, then you uh, are dependent on others and or depend you could be dependent on God uh, because you don't have what uh, all the basic necessities of life, and so you're dependent on God to provide those things. So in that, perhaps the poor are more uh, more uh, aimed toward being uh, uh, in, in line with uh, or following God. But, but there's nothing inherently holy about being poor. Uh, on the other side, it is perhaps more difficult to uh, depend on God when you do have material wealth. So in that, there's a, that's all kind of thrown in there. But Jesus isn't necessarily saying that it's, it's the poor people who are blessed. It's the poor in spirit. And so it's that spirit of dependence or uh, you're out of options, uh, unable to help yourself. Uh, in over your head, in the, in the message paraphrase in the Bible, uh, of the Bible, uh, it, it, this verse reads, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and His rule. So maybe we could term that poor in spirit. I, I think a, a good definition of that would be humble. You're blessed when you are humble. The poor in spirit are humble enough to admit that perfection, that blessing, only comes from God and His grace. We'll learn as we walk through this list, this entire list of the Beatitudes, that, that this is not a list of how we earn blessings. If I just do this and this and this, then, then God will, will uh, automatically bless me because I've performed well. That's not what this list is about. It's a list of how God's grace abounds in the lives of people who are dependent on Him. Some theologians look through this list and, and they actually say that each line builds on the one before. Uh, and, and so uh, you have to have one and it builds a foundation for the next and the next and the next. And, and if that's the case, then this first one, being poor in spirit, being humble, must be the foundation of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I think there are scholars, theologians, who, who agree with that throughout history. When asked... Uh, what the first of the religious graces was. Augustine answered, humility. And then they asked, what is the second? And he said, humility. And they said, well, what is the third? And he said, humility. It's the foundation. Andrew Murray referred to humility as, quote, the cardinal virtue, the only root from which the graces can flow, the one indispensable condition of true fellowship with God. Humility. So what does, what does humility look like? How can I know that I'm developing this virtue of being poor in spirit? Well, just a, just a few things this morning. First is self-forgetfulness. 
We usually live as though uh, the world revolves around us and that it should revolve around us, that other people and other systems and other programs all must exist to, to make us happy and healthy and comfortable and wealthy. If, if any one thing gets in the way, then if something upsets our lives or our routines, uh, then we get bitter and angry and resentful because it all should work out because I deserve this. I remember years ago, I one of my, uh, oh man, I was a long time ago. Uh, and I had uh, had a cell phone, maybe my first cell phone uh, that I had that was all mine. Uh, and I was cool and had it clipped right to my belt because I was cool that way, as some of you guys are. The problem with having your cell phone clipped to your belt, and I found this out more than once, but this is the first time, is that sometimes it gets caught on things. And uh, in this sense, in this time, it uh, it got caught on something and I... Later on, at some point in that day, I, I looked down and I had no phone. It's gone. And I wasn't any, and I started retracing my steps and it's just throwing me off and it just crazy. And so, uh, so I went home for lunch, I remember, and, uh, I, I went in and I was just, you know, told Rebecca and the dog and whoever else would listen, uh, about how awful this thing was and how, uh, my whole day was shot and my whole afternoon and I don't know what I was going to do and I got to do this and this and this and I can't find my phone. And, and I, I don't even know if I ate lunch that day, but I remember kind of just blowing out of the, uh, of, of the house and, and, uh, after I spewed all that and, uh, and, and as it turned out, my wife, uh, calmly, uh, got our phone and our, our home phone and called my cell phone. And someone answered my cell phone, and that person was kind enough to bring it back. And by the end of that day, everything worked out great, and I had been all, you know, and it turned out there were a whole lot of people or several people that were going to be kind and gracious and, and work through that. But I was convinced that everything needed to revolve around me, and when something didn't work out the way I wanted it to, it was a, it was a big, huge problem. Uh, the truth is that some days things don't go our way. Sometimes there are flat tires or lost phones or bad service in restaurants or family crises or serious illness. The list can go on and on. Humility asks, acts as a filter, saving us from unrealistic expectations that everything should always go my way. Instead of expecting everything to always go my way, I need to realize that it won't, (laughs) that I am not the center of the universe, and instead, in humility, I need to focus on the one who is the center of the universe. He is greater, I am less. Dwight L. Moody once said, humility consists not in thinking meanly, uh, he means derogatorily, uh, not in thinking derogatorily of ourselves, but in not thinking of ourselves at all. Uh, Reverend Colin Smith puts it this way in his book on the Beatitudes. Uh, People who are poor in spirit know that they are a small blip on the radar screen of eternity. They know that God is glorious and awesome in his holiness. They know that he owes them nothing, and they see that even if viewed at their best. They are unworthy servants who hang and depend completely on the mercy of God. The first step in becoming humble, I think, is self-forgetfulness. Forgetting ourselves and remembering God, focusing on God. Take time regularly to reflect on all that God has allowed you to experience. Uh, your life, your relationships, your, your memories, your lifestyle, the successes, the, the things that you have. It is all from God. Humility comes when I remember who He is and I begin to forget about me. Self-forgetfulness. It's also, it also includes self-emptying. 
Jesus had every reason to be proud, right? Uh, you know, he was without sin, son of God, uh, completely holy. And yet his testimony over and over again, we see in, in scripture, uh, we see his testimony was one of humility. Uh, several times, just in the book of John, uh, are a few examples. John 5, 19 says, the son can do nothing by himself. Jesus speaking of himself. I can do nothing by myself. Uh, John 5, 30, by myself, I can do nothing. I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. John 7, 16, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. John 8, 28, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. John 8, 50, I am not seeking glory for myself. Jesus was empty of himself. It wasn't about him. It was about God through him. If that was Jesus' attitude, it certainly should be ours. Admitting I can't do this is taking a huge step toward being poor in spirit. I have uh, uh, more than once had to take that posture of I can't do this, especially as it relates to uh, home maintenance. Uh, I won't ask for testimonies today, but uh, uh, some of you, and I consider myself a kind of handy guy, and most of the time I can work some things out. Uh, plumbing is a bit of an issue for me. Um, there's this little, you know, water tends to... Uh, it, well, it tends to show all the all the problems. Uh, you got to have be it perfect or or not. Uh, a couple of years ago, we needed to replace the little expansion tank thing on our hot water, and I had seen ask this old house, and they had done that, and so I knew how to do it because I had watched the show. And so uh, uh, I bought the expansion tank, and uh, I had it, and I knew I could. Well, I just have to take that one off and put this one on. That's all there is to it, and. At the last minute, at the last second, almost before the point of no return, I realized that maybe I didn't necessarily know, and I started thinking about all the things that could go wrong, and, and I called the plumber, and within a couple of hours, we had the new expansion tank, and a couple of years later, we're still good to go, uh, because I realized that I was in over my head, and I was not able to, uh, to do that. Um, we had, at our, at our other house, um, I learned a lot at that house. Uh, because many things needed to be updated or uh, changed. But one thing was the ceiling in the, uh, in the master bedroom. Uh, you know how ceilings are supposed to be flat. Um, this one kind of went... Uh, we learned later... Well, there's a whole big story. We don't have to go into all of that. But um, uh, anyway, we decided that the best thing to do would be to put uh, uh, the... the uh, skinny sheet rock right on top of that, cinched that all back up again. I did that, uh, and uh, we, uh, you know, it was, you know, a wonderful thing. And so then, uh, you know, doing all the seams and all the stuff and working over your head, and, and I'm looking at it, well, this is, I've sand it and do it and sand it again and do it and say, oh, this is smooth as silk. And then I painted it. And I could see every line and every... They make this stuff that's texturing for ceilings, and it covers over a multitude of sins. And so uh, so that ceiling became textured. It's humbling to admit that I can't do something, right? Uh, and, and yet that's right where God wants us. Not, not necessarily in home repairs, uh, but certainly in our spiritual lives. If I think I can do it, then there's no room for God to do it in me. 
Isaiah 64, 6 says that all of our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. As long as I'm just trying to live my life under, under my own strength, I will never accomplish uh, the holy life that God desires for me. It is only when I empty myself of any delusions that I can do it and allow God's spirit to live within me that I have any power to live a holy, hashtag blessed life. It's him in me. Again, Reverend Colin Smith, when you find yourself saying, I don't have what it takes to face this, God says to you, I will dwell with you here. Self-emptying and also self-doubt. We live in an age of uh, emphasis on building self-esteem, and I'm not all against that, but uh, even as we're secure in, in, in who God has made us to be, we have to be open to the fact that there is almost always another angle that we're missing, and we might actually be wrong, and uh, it's not all just about me having all the answers. Uh, we live in a critical culture, uh, uh, just uh, anything you might watch on TV, especially uh, reality TV or, or uh, relationships we might have, we're critical of each other. Uh, uh, we, we, we have to come to the place where we're willing to recognize that someone else's viewpoint might be just as valid as our own, perhaps even more valid. Humility isn't always concerned with right and wrong. Humility is concerned with the other person. Do I value him enough to listen first? Do I slow down and discern my, uh, discern the under, misunderstanding that she might have? Do I, do I love the person and the relationship enough to care more about them than I do about this issue and always being right? It's almost like we come to God with our hands full of what we think we're going to do, even to be useful for him, and, and we're full, and we offer all of our wonderful services to God. God, I'm here, and I'm ready, and, and I've got all this stuff, and, and you, are, you are hashtag blessed to have me, <laughs> right? Because I've got, and I'm... Author Thomas Watson put it this way, if the hand is full of pebbles, it cannot receive gold. If the hand is full of pebbles, it cannot receive gold. The poor in spirit are those who come to God with empty hands, longing to receive the blessing that only he can give. So it's not about us. We empty ourselves. We're dependent on him. We're at the end of our rope. Uh, And it says that if we're like that, then we're blessed. So what's the blessing? What, what is it that we have? Uh, what is it that we're going to have? What, what is it that blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven? That's a pretty big deal. Theirs is the king. It, it's interesting here that, that Jesus uses the present tense. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's significant because all of the other pr- promises in this list, all of the other beatitudes are future tense. Something that is coming someday. Uh, they will be comforted. They will be filled. Uh, but in this one, uh, and it's the same in the last one because they both have the same, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's both the same promise, uh, first and last, number one and number eight. All the rest are future tense. And you would think that talking about heaven should be future tense. It's something that's, that's coming. I mean, if you look around, even the humblest person and looking around in this world, this ain't heaven, right? It's what's been called uh, experiencing in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's the already and the not yet. Uh, yes, heaven is coming. 
Uh, life with God for all eternity is promised to those who confess their sin and believe in Him. But it is also possible, especially for those who are utterly dependent on God, for those who uh, who are pouring themselves out to Him and say, God, I can't do this. It is possible for those folks, the poor in spirit, the humble, it is possible for, for them to experience God's presence with them, with us even now. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, not only future, but also a glimpse of it right now. I, I guess maybe uh, this makes sense because because those who are utterly dependent on God, the poor in spirit, they, they are the ones that recognize that Jesus is their king and they're going to follow him. He's in charge. It's his kingdom. Uh, he's in charge. And so they get a glimpse of life with God even now before eternity. As one author wrote, heaven comes to the humble before the humble get to heaven. Humility uh, means that we're acknowledging Jesus as our king, we're submitting to his rule in our lives, and it gives us a glimpse of eternal glory even now. Hashtag blessed. So we develop humility, we empty ourselves, we, it's, it's, uh, we're at the end of our rope, we're in over our head, we recognize that, we acknowledge that. Uh, how, do we, how do we continue to develop that? Because this humility thing, uh, if it's so uh, foundational, uh, it's also pretty difficult. How in the world do we develop these things? Well, in addition to what, what I've already mentioned today, I think the big thing we need to do in developing humility is to practice, <laughs> and then practice, and then practice some more. Uh, put ourselves in places where we will need to practice humility. We need to consciously submit to God and his will each day. So there's a prayer involved here that says, God, I can't do this and you can and I'm committed to you and I'm going to follow you. And then we need to live it out. We need to try it. So uh, so your challenge uh, today, this week, bite your tongue. Don't always say what's on, on your on your mind. Sit back a little bit. You might not be right. Take a back seat. Let someone else get the credit. Don't complain. Ooh, there's one, right? I hate it when he talks about not complaining. See what I did there? Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Encourage someone. Put someone else's uh, needs and concerns ahead of your own. Uh, it's not just about you and, and what you want. And when things fall apart and when something happens, it's not a uh, shake your fist at God and say, why me? It's God, help me walk through this. I can't do this. Humility takes practice. Practice. It takes time to develop poverty in spirit. But I've noticed that it's usually, I don't know, maybe you've noticed this too, it's usually the mature Christians among us. Those who have every reason to be proud of their spiritual lives, right? Uh, they're the ones who are the most humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Andrew Murray again describes humility as, quote, being clothed with the very beauty and blessedness of heaven and Jesus. And maybe that sums up this beatitude quite well. The poor in spirit, those who are humble, are clothed in the beauty of Jesus. I'd probably call that hashtag blessed. Father God, we need to be humble, and we know that, and it's hard. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us, that your spirit will continue to motivate us to be 
the people that you desire us to be, that we are in over our heads, that they're, 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 we're at the end of our rope, that we don't have an answer, but that you do. And so we can rely on you as you continue to form yourself in us. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place today, we will go knowing that, first of all, we don't go alone, but that you go with us. And that makes all the difference. I pray that as we go, that we will know that that you are God and we are not. That it's not up to us. It's up to you in us. That although you have gifted us and and uh, uh, and given us talents and, and abilities and opportunities beyond our wildest dreams, Lord, it is still you that is doing the work. And it's not about us. And it's not about how great we are. Lord, help us this week to be poor in spirit, to have a posture of humility that recognizes our utter and complete dependence on you. We thank you for your presence and we thank you for your desire to continue to keep molding and shaping and making us into the people you desire us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.